You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. up into our heart and we start oppressing people and and, and causing things to to happen to them, we we begin to doubt and the point is not carried out. It will prove better in the end than it seemed in the beginning, but power becomes broken and we fall down. It's wasted and gone. Then we must be humbled and brought down. We must be humbled and brought down and we have to pay for our injustices. And This is what's happening to Samson. Whether it's a marathon, a placement test, or even our own faith, just because we start off well doesn't mean we'll finish all the same. As many of us have experienced, there are countless darts the enemy throws at us in an attempt to stumble us. Today, Pastor Dave will warn you of the dangers of giving in to that lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 15. As he begins his message, the flickering light begins to fail. You are Turn into your Bibles to Judges 15. We're still in coming to the middle area of Samson, our buddy Samson, that we've been studying for the last couple weeks. So we began in chapter 13 with the life of Samson. We've been studying now several weeks the life of Samson. We started in chapter 13, and we saw his miraculous birth. We know that his mother was barren, And she was visited by the Lord, and the Lord told her that she would have a son. Her husband really believed, but he wanted to see for himself. The Lord also visited him, and they spoke. The Lord told them all the things concerning their son and what they had to do for their son. Not only why she was pregnant, but also while he was living. And his upbringing, he would be a Nazarite. He would be a Nazarite and uh, the various things that he was supposed to do. As we studied chapter uh, 13, we saw that Samson grew up, and he was blessed by the Lord mightily. We saw in verse 25 of chapter 13, that the Holy Spirit began to move upon Samson, and empower him, and give him great strength. Samson's great strength didn't come from his muscles. We really don't know what physique he had, but his great strength came from the Holy Spirit. His great strength came from the Lord as the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him. Samson was a bright and shining light, and he came into the world in a blaze of glory. He came into this world like a bright, bright, shining light. Now, when you change a light bulb in your house and you put it on, all of a sudden you turn it on. You ever notice how bright it is? How wonderfully bright it is? And then after a while, it gets a little dimmer, a little dimmer. Then all of a sudden it starts to flicker. And then eventually it doesn't work anymore. This is Samson's life. 
This is Samson's life as we've been studying. He came in as a blaze of glory. He came in with a bright, shining light. He came in blessed by God, empowered by God's Spirit. But in chapter 14, as we studied last week, the light began to flicker as Samson gave in to his passions. He was seduced by the three pitfalls, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Samson's life was tarnished. And it was slowly fading as he continued to yield to his desires. And he started to separate himself from his Nazarite vows. Going places where he wasn't supposed to go. Cutting through vineyards when he was have nothing to do with anything of the grape. Anything of the vine, it says. He broke his vows several times. Touching Although he killed a lion that attacked him, he went back and he touched the lion and drew from it honey from a honeycomb that was in the middle of the lion. He wasn't supposed to touch touch anything that was dead. It was against the Nazarite law. So he broke that vow. It's interesting that one commentator I read said that Samson was the epitome of an ancient truth that a good beginning doesn't guarantee a good ending. In fact, Spurgeon himself said that Samson's whole life is a scene of miracles and follies. Miracle and follies. Samson started out so beautiful. A bright, brilliant, shining light in the midst of a dark, dark oppression. Remember, Samson came into the world as Israel was being oppressed by the Philistines some 40 years. 40 years under this impression. Oppression, excuse me. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. With faith in the long run, the end will be good. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. By faith, we see that what the end will be. By faith, we hope that our end will come to the point where we're told, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. By faith, we believe that. By faith, we want that. But when pride comes up into our heart and we start oppressing people and and, and causing things to to happen to them, we, we begin to doubt and the point is not carried out. It will prove better in the end than it seemed in the beginning, but power becomes broken and we fall down. It's wasted and gone. And then we must be humbled and brought down. We must be humbled and brought down. And we have to pay for our injustices. And this is what's happening to Samson. The end of Moses' treaty with Pharaoh was better than the beginning because Pharaoh was proud. But Israel was brought forth in triumph. In the beginning, they had to double their bricks. Remember? Paul constantly speaks of what? Fighting the good fight to the end. Running the race to the finish. Making sure you finish well. Have you ever heard that? Finish well? I can think of two people in scriptures who didn't finish well. Who didn't finish well. And these are are good scriptures. One of them is Noah. It seems that Noah didn't finish well. Noah, a righteous man chosen by God to save the world, to repopulate the world. Can anyone tell me the last time you see Noah? What's the last verse of Noah written about in Genesis? He's drunk. And he's lying in bed. And one of his sons uncovers his nakedness and he laughs. There's that big problem. He didn't finish well. Lot didn't finish well. 
What's the last thing you see Lot doing? Having sex with his daughters so they could have children. They got him drunk, had sex with them so they could have children. It's the last thing we see of Lot in Genesis. They didn't finish well. It doesn't appear that way. But Paul says we have to run the race. I contend with you that the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a long race. If you've ever run a marathon, you know what I'm talking about. It's a long race. That's what the Christian life is. It's not a sprint to the end. It's a long, long race. We need to be steadfast to the end. Steadfast and faithful to the end. Now, I love the scripture, and I've quoted it. It probably has now taken place for my, fam- my favorite scripture. And I love it. We use it all the time around here because we, we just love the scripture. It's 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I love that verse. I love that verse, being steadfast and immovable. Not wavering in your faith, believing in God's promises. Samson's light, once bright, flickered. And then it began to burn out. And it's going to end in total darkness as he is completely blinded. So as we look at chapter 15, we see this once brilliant light which began to flicker in chapter 14, now begins to fail as Samson continues his downward spiral. Let's look at the first three verses. After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go into my wife, into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought you had thoroughly hated her, before. therefore I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Samson goes back. Now we finished, when we finished chapter 14, it says in verse 20, And Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. And we thought Samson was done with his wife. But here, he's coming back for her. And he's bringing her a present. He's coming back to see her. Her father tells him there's some bad news here. Bad news is I gave her away. Samson wasn't very appreciative about that. Not only did he give her away, but then he tries to pawn off his daughter on him. His other daughter. He wants to give him her sister. Well, it would be a good idea because after all, Samson probably already paid the dowry for the one. So why not? Samson didn't appreciate that. He was not happy about that. He was not happy about his father-in-law giving the bride away, so he decided to get even with the Philistines because they were the ones who kind of set the whole thing up anyhow. Remember? They forced his wife to give away the secret of the riddle by telling her that if she didn't tell them, they were going to burn her house down and her father down and basically burn her in it. We need to remember something here. That Samson was called by God to be the defender and deliverer of Israel. Samson had been called by God. 
But Samson's whole issue is that he's fighting his own private battles. He's not fighting the battles of the Lord. Take Samson and compare him with David. Take Samson and compare him with King David. When David faced the Philistines, he viewed the Philistines as enemies of the Lord. They were enemies of the Lord. And he sought to honor the name of the Lord in his victory. Where Samson's attitude was completely different. They were his enemies and he wanted revenge. They were his enemies and he wanted revenge. And as we go through this Christian life, we need to be ever vigilant to the hidden selfish motives that we have for doing things. We cannot hide under the cloak of religious zeal and call it righteous indignation. Unfortunately, private personal gain and personal vengeance rather than glory to the Lord have been people's motivations for centuries. What we may classify as godly zeal may actually be ungodly anger that's fed by pride and motivated by selfishness. There is the godly anger that should be expressed when we see wickedness prosper and defenseless people hurt in the crossfire. But there is a very fine line between righteous indignation and a temper tantrum disguised as religious right. Samson's life was now governed by his passions. Samson's life was not governed by God. It was governed by his passions. If he saw something he liked, he took it. If you crossed him, he came after you. We see his motto. Go, go over to verse 11. Go over to verse 11 real quick. And you can see Samson's motto. At the end of verse 11, it says, As they did to me, so I have done to them. Do it to me, I'm going to do it to you. Samson thought he was still married, but it was not the case as his father-in-law gave his wife away. Samson was angry and he decided to take his, take his anger on the Philistines. We don't know why Samson's father-in-law gave his wife away. We don't know why he thought that Samson hated his wife, but I have a clue. Perhaps, just perhaps, it was an excuse to explain why he did it. We don't know. But maybe Samson's Philistine wife poisoned her father's mind by complaining about her husband. When we complain about people, we can poison others' minds. We can poison other minds towards that person. I spent many years in education and I coached many sports. Sometimes varsity sports, sometimes not varsity sports, sometimes rec leagues. I love to coach kids. My worst enemy? Parents. They would sit around the dinner table and they would say, Ah, stupid coach doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what he thinks he is. I don't know why you're not playing. You're the best one out there. I don't believe it. That, that, that coach doesn't know what he's doing. He poisons the mind to the kid, to the coach, and then the kid can't take from the coach direction. He poisons the mind. Parents do that all the time to their children. We do that all the time to each other. We start talking about somebody and we poison their mind to what the person sees. And the next time they see that person, they go, Hi, your mother. Because we've poisoned their mind. Because we've poisoned their mind by talking about them and telling horrible things. And what you're saying, you know what? Could be true. 
It could be true. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not true. But, but when you hear it, we need to be careful when that is being told to us not to have our mind poisoned against the next person. It's a slippery slope. Poison my mind against someone coming in. You always have made up predeterminations about them. It used to happen when I used to teach school. I used to get brothers and sisters of kids I taught before. And I made a huge mistake one time, and this is all I said. And it was a huge mistake. We used to register our students just like they did in college when I was in this high school in Colorado. And we'd sit there, and the kids would come up and go, I want to take your class. What period do you want to take it? Well, I want to take it first period. And I'd say, what's your name? And they told me your name. I went, oh, are you such and such's brother? You might have thought I called the kid a bad name. He started screaming at me. Well, yeah, well, all right. okay, I'll just ask you your name. Do you know he dropped my class? I never took it again. Because I said something. But that's what I'm saying. We have to be so careful thinking that, that now his brother was a handful, I might add. And he didn't want to be associated with his brother. So, you know, but anyhow. But you know what I'm saying. You, know, you get the drift of what I'm saying. I'm not trying to belabor the point. You get the drift of what I'm saying. We have to be careful. We have to be extremely careful. Maybe this is what happened to Samson's wife's father. But even though Samson was angry with his wife's father, the real root of the problem was the bad choices that Samson had made when he thought he had fallen in love. We talked about this last time. He had absolutely no business allowing himself to fall with an ungodly pagan woman. It was against Hebrew, Mosaic, God's law. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 7. We looked at it last week. Samson had no business. He had no business. None whatsoever. You know, there are consequences when we sin. There are consequences when we break God's law. There are consequences when we do these things, even though you're forgiven. Even though you're forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. But when you sin, there will be consequences. We talked about this last week in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Failure to protect your heart could cause multitude of problems in your lives. Samson says, this time I'm going to be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. God used Samson's ungodly anger for his purpose. Once again, he used this ungodly anger for his purpose. Psalm 76, 10 says, surely the wrath of man shall praise you. This doesn't justify Samson's anger, but it shows that the glory and power of God to use all things to his purposes. God uses all things. Let's read verses 4 through and 5. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes. How do you catch 300 foxes? I, nobody said very carefully, so I guess you know how to. And he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burn up both the stocks, the shocks, and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. This must have been quite a sight. This really must have been something. These foxes running, and their tails are on fire. I don't know. He wreaks havoc. He destroys not only their grain, he destroys their vineyards, he destroys their olive groves. Man, he's getting back at them. Pretty cool. Now, 
Your translation may say jackal. Does anybody's translation say jackals? Yeah. Jackals and foxes, the Hebrew word is synonymous. It, it can either mean jackal or foxes. So it, it could be jackals, it could be fo- I don't know. 300 of them. Man, that, I don't know. He was mad. <laughs> I wonder how long it took him to catch 300 foxes. I, I think about those things. Do you think about those kind of things when you read the scriptures? How long did it take you, Samson? We're talking days, weeks, months? I mean, oh, no, no. We don't, we're not given a timeline here. So anyhow, look what he does. Well, it's the old, I poke you, you poke me, I poke you harder, you poke me harder, I poke you harder than you. No, it's that, it's that old game. You know, here's what happens. Let's look at six through eight. Then the Philistines said, who's done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he, is, he, he, he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. It's almost like they're blaming it on the father. So look what they do. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson said to them, since you would do such a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. So he attacked them, hip and thigh, with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock and eat them. Wow. This guy is hot. This guy is mad. Don't mess with Samson. God has used all this to advance his plan for Israel and for their redemption. Remember, God wants to relieve them from the Philistines. He wants to relieve them from this oppression. But because of Samson's disobedience, it all happens at a very, very personal cost to Samson. He loses now his wife and her father are dead. They're burned with fire. They're gone. We could suppose And we did this last week. What if Samson had been obedient to God? Just think how much more he could have accomplished. Verse 7, since you would not do a thing like that, I will surely revenge on you, you know? (laughs) My mind, now again, you got to remember my mind. When I read this, I immediately thought of Sonny and the Godfather. They hit me, so I hit them. It's as easy as that. They hit me, I hit them. That's what he says. You guys coming to me, I'm coming after you. Samson's response was out of revenge. I will not stop until I have my revenge. What does the scripture say? Who does revenge belong to? The Lord, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. But sometimes we take matters in our own hands and then... When we take matters in our own hands, who does the Lord have to deal with first? Yeah, us. Us. He has to deal with us first. When we take matters in our own hands and do something that he was going to do, he's going to say, okay, now I have to deal with you before I can deal with this. We're not told how many Philistines Samson killed that day. We don't even know what kind of a weapon he used. Did he use his bare hands? We don't know. He was a hot dude. After that, he goes and he hides in a cave. He goes and he hides in a cave, so he was fearful. You are the Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. 
each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to himself, showing his power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. They follow him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and he's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.